We are now live streaming here on episode 110. We close out April on the Real Kipper at Noon show and slowly getting to the end of the regular season. Been watching some playoff races. What happened last night? Did it kind of pour water on a few races? I get that feeling. 10 games last night. Talk about the Rangers. I'll even get Doug McLean to talk about the New York Rangers. Some out there, with good reason maybe, feel like just Doug McLean doesn't want to talk Rangers. At least that's what social media told us yesterday. So let's bring him in from sunny Florida, Doug McLean, to talk Rangers, Hart Trophy, Pickleball, whatever's on his mind. What do you want to talk? What do you want me to talk about today? The fact that the Rangers won one face off in the first period and they really don't look like they're going to make the playoffs. I guess I should spend an hour on them. Uh, anyway, I got a kick out of it. They they give me a little. I I like Fox. I as a matter of fact, I'm the guy that brought his name up to you that we should talk about him. Are we uh, buying into <laughs> that he should be the favorite for the Norse? Are we there not- yet with you? I'm not there yet, but I'll tell you what, I did look at his numbers closely. Yeah, and they're, they're pretty darn they're good. They're pretty, pretty impressive, and he's had an amazing year. And, yeah, I mean, you look at Carlson and you look at him, and points are one thing, and you know, but if you look at the total pitcher, he still had a hell of a year, and he deserves consideration. I'll be shocked if he wins it, if his team doesn't make the playoffs, but, of course, that can happen. Well, and just on a final note here, you look at the blue line around him, Mac, and it's not exactly like he's got uh, McDonough, um, you know, no, Sergeyev, no. uh, who's got a few years uh, under yeah. his belt now. Uh, they look good. They look promising in Miller and Lindgren, but this guy is seeing a lot of the other team's best players and still managing to, to put on a lot of uh, offense for the Rangers. So yeah, I think, I think he's got a chance Mac to win this thing. Yeah. I think, you know what, it would be quite impressive, you know, as you said, supporting cast team that doesn't make the playoffs yet, or looks like they're not going to make the playoffs yet. He has had an impressive year and, People knew he was going to be a good player. Everybody talked about him when he was in college. He was going to be that puck moving defenseman. I didn't. I didn't expect him to be this good this quick. So credit to him. All right, so, we'll get enough we'll, of the Ranger bullshit. We'll, we'll, I got it out there. I talked we'll, about the Rangers. Enough. Stop whining to me. There you go. And and we're gonna get. Uh, we started it uh, last show in terms of major awards out there. And this the Norris of obviously is the one that uh, brought Fox into the equation here we're going to get into the heart as well but let's also welcome uh, jordan to this friday show and jordan last night uh 10 games on tap but also this nfl draft and you're more of our guru uh when it comes to other sports because mac and i are entrenched in our in our hockey here but what did you make out of the nfl draft last night because not just new names, but uh, one that we all can recognize and one of the best quarterbacks to ever play in, in Rodgers and lots of noise there. But overall, uh, the show that the NFL consistently puts out every draft year, what, what were your thoughts on it? It's, it's a spectacle. Honestly, it really is. Uh, if we compare 
the NFL, even the NBA draft to a lesser extent, they are appointment viewing. You have to watch. Yesterday at about maybe 4 p.m. Eastern time, it came down that uh, Rodgers was not going to resign, not going to do an extension, did not want to return to the Packers. Uh, a lot of rumors and innuendo over the past year or so with um, the Packers GM not drafting offensive players to support him. They drafted his replacement in Jordan Love last year in the late first round. He didn't even suit up for a game during the regular season last year. So here you have Hall of Fame, arguably one of the best quarterbacks of my generation, wanting help, not getting help from anybody. And then he he made his he made his play, he made his stance. So he, he goes out, he says, hey, it's no longer draft day. It's Aaron Rodgers day. And the rest of the night fell that way. So I, I would before the show, I was talking to you guys and I was saying, what could what could the NHL do or how is it possible to, to make that sort of statement to to be that dramatic, to have that level of appointment viewing on a, a non game day? I mean, we're talking about the offseason here, right? Mac, you want to take a crack at this or do you want me to go first? Well, they tried it a couple of years ago when they put Berkey on there with his dynamic personality to, <laughs> to, liven, to liven it up. And, you know, they had Jeff Merrick and Berkey and, you know, they tried to liven it up with that. Can you I mean, knock it off? <laughs> what? Jesus. Just, just, and maybe they should just hire you back to bring all the excitement back in I, to match the NFL. I never worked the draft. I never worked I think, the draft. <laughs> Jordan, uh, the the biggest the biggest issue here uh, to even you can't even compare. First of all, it's it's apples to oranges, and it it starts with how popular the NFL is in the states and where we are. Hockey, we can match popularity in terms of the passion and emotion Canadians have for hockey with Americans to football, but what we can't match is is 300 million people doing it you know we don't have the numbers to support it uh, the other thing that really stands out is that we we cannot get to the nuts and bolts of the hype for our 18 year olds that are eligible for the draft in hockey we just don't know enough about them we know what college football means. These guys are superstars, national superstars coming into the draft. And we have a little bit of that with maybe, what, Mac, the top three or four. But after that, nobody really knows anything about these kids. And if, if in fact, junior hockey was as popular to the masses as football college players are to the masses in the states then we we'd have a crack at doing something but we have Not a tough even. time we mac we have a tough time selling junior hockey here tough time getting them a tv uh platform I mean, you know the college football i mean on a saturday morning in the u.s it's it's right away you go to college game day you know, mid-morning, Saturday, it's Kirk Herbstreet and the boys, and it's college game day. I follow college football as much as I follow Canadian major junior hockey now. It's hard to believe. You know, and I, obviously because I'm out of management and out of coaching, I don't, I don't pay nearly as much attention. But I follow college football because it is in your face 24-7 in the USA, and they do – ESPN do an unbelievable job of selling college football on TV. Would you agree, Jordan? 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's everywhere, especially when you talk about different regions like the SEC and stuff. But I, I completely agree with what you guys are saying. But we talk about these things kind of all the time, right, where we talk about player salaries, where we talk about other leagues yep. that we've been talking about throughout struggling with COVID. And I wonder uh, what sort of steps or what sort of, you know, creativity or whatever it might be could could drive towards that eventual goal. Because obviously, as hockey fans here, the, the goal is to grow and sustain the game of hockey, right? So I just wonder about those sorts of things over time. Oh. The last excitement we had at the draft was when Eric Lindros said he wouldn't go to Quebec and, and Mario Lemieux said he wouldn't report to Pittsburgh. Now yeah. he's the owner, by the way, but he did say he wouldn't report to Pittsburgh. And Eric Lindros, I talked to people that were sitting at the draft table and Pierre, uh, the, the owner and Pierre Paget, the GM, both left to go and talk and they had no clue. First of all, they they were, didn't know who was going to make the pick because they didn't know if the owner and GM would get back to the table in time to make their pick because they were smoozing the Lindrosses. And also, they they didn't know if Eric was even going to report, you know, if they if he was going to accept it or whatever. So it was bizarre. That's the most excitement. What's that, 30 years ago? We need guys to say they won't report. You know, we got to spice it up some, you know, like, like the – I don't the think the uh, what about uh, the quarterback? I, when when is it on the quarterback at Green Bay to win a goddamn playoff game or two? Seriously, he was the MVP you know? of the of the league last year. Yeah, what, what was he in the playoffs? Was he MVP um, of the playoffs? No, too? I think he made it to the to the second round, right? I, I'll have to check Jordan, that out. Mm-hmm. Where, where's um, where are the Green Bay Packer fans today? Are they sympathizing Therapy. with uh, Rodgers, or are they they going to turn on him? Ah, uh, they're going to turn. I clearly, I mean. You talk about small town markets and, you know, big market versus small market. They tend to have a bigger, if you're the smaller your market, you tend to support your team more than the player and stuff like that, as opposed to player agency. Some people are saying that Rogers might retire and host Jeopardy. Like, you know, imagine, <laughs> imagine that. By the way, did you see him when he hosted Jeopardy? Yeah, it was great. Yeah. So had a, okay. Remember. Let me remind you. So the question was, it was a guy from Canada was on Jeopardy, that that show. And Roger said, hey, if I wanted to go to Canada, what's the best place to go in Canada for a vacation? And guess what the guy told Rogers? Answer well, if he didn't say PEI, if he didn't say PEI, we wouldn't be hearing this story. Exactly. So yeah. he said PEI and Roger said, hey, that's a pretty good idea. I'm, I'm going to have to look into going there. And then, of course, I tell the guys at the Summerside Boys and Girls Club they should get them to come down for their golf tournament. <laughs> there. Well, we'll see how that plays out. Uh, but before we, uh, Jordan, figure out how to spice up the NHL draft, uh, maybe we should uh, worry about uh, marketing a great player, and this takes us into our – Hart Trophy, uh, the best player in the league, the guy that's perceived to be a runaway favorite in all of this. And, Mac, our, our thumbnail, of course, is uh, around the Hart Trophy. This could be the shortest conversation we've had on any show in the history of Real Kipper at noon. It's a foregone conclusion here that Connor McDavid, with his, what, 17-point lead on second, which happens to be his teammate, Dreisaitl, will win this trophy. But I'll throw this out to you, and 
you know, we, we, we look at the odds and, you know, maybe before I even go to Mac here, Jordan, I'll ask you something. How are people even taking bets on this when it's almost written in stone here that he is going to win this award? Why would you take a bet knowing that you have to pay this thing out? So if we, I'm scrolling down slightly so everyone can see here, I'll move it over on the screen in a second, but these odds are of at April 21st. And the reason that I'm showing them on a website and not a sports book is that a lot of sports book have taken these off the board at this point. Okay. In the they season. have. So th they're figuring it out, right? Yeah. Earlier on in the season, maybe, maybe about two and a half months ago, I placed a, a, a sizable bet on Patrick Kane to win just because his odds were so much better. So as a, as a better is looking at these sort of things, you're weighing the upside of the plus number versus the likelihood that something freak happens, an injury, uh, you know, a trade, something weird. Buddy, so, why didn't so you tell us? Why, why, wouldn't you, why wouldn't you tell us I'm thinking about putting money on Patrick Kane? Like, we love Patrick Kane. You know he's our favorite here on the Real Kepper at Noon Show. But he didn't have a hope in hell and win in the heart. Not a – not – Mac, how do you say that? Not a snowball's chance – not a snowball's chance in hell. But but listen, this is this is really amazing because to watch the Edmonton Oilers go out and lose in the bubble to the Chicago Blackhawks last year. What did people expect Connor McDavid was going to be like this year coming back? Like he is a man on a mission this year. He is going to drag that team into the fight. Now, you know, you've got Matthews there too. And this guy has been unbelievable, Matthews, for me. He's been unbelievable. So it's a two-horse race, in my opinion. And it's, I mean, Sid's had a great year. Kane's had a great year. Yeah, but it's, it's he is dragging the Oilers into the fight night after night after night. But I'll tell you what, Matthews is no slouch. He is no slouch. Well, and He's been that good too. Matthews is running away with the Rocket Richard uh, trophy. Yeah. So that comes into play. The heart is awarded to the player that is most valuable to his team. Yeah. And I just don't know. Okay, points aside, Mac, how can you say that Connor McDavid is more valuable to Edmonton than Austin has been to the Leafs? Or I'll throw you a name. And I'll tell you as, why. as we scroll down that and we see McDavid, Matthews, Crosby, Kane, Rantanen, Hedman, Barkov, Connor Hellebuck before uh, the, 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 week. the disastrous week that they've had. The name that should be right behind McDavid and Matthews is Brad Marchand. Damn right it should be. So tell me, okay, how, can you, how can you tell me now as a voter that you believe that McDavid is more valuable to Edmonton than Brad Marchand has been to the Boston Bruins? Brad Marchand has single-handedly saved the Boston Bruins season this year. Uh, there, there, there's no doubt. I, I didn't. I'm looking at Connor McDavid, and I'm saying, what are the Edmonton Oilers without Connor McDavid? I'm saying that the Toronto Maple Leafs 
can win with their talent base if Mick, if if Matthews is out. If Connor McDavid is not in the Edmonton Oilers lineup, I don't know how many games they're going to win. I don't care how smart Kenny Holland is and how smart Dave Tippett is and how good Dreisaitl is and, and on and on. If they don't have Connor McDavid, they're not a great hockey team. Connor McDavid is keeping they, them in the Are they fight a playoff every- team? I don't think I, I would have my doubts if they're I, I don't think that the guy had 15 points the last three games prior to last night where he didn't get any points. The guy's been on fire. He's on a mission. He's obsessed. Scoring a point a period exactly. in that stretch. Exactly. Did- so that and I and Brad Marchant to me is I watched him again last night. I'm telling you, he has been, you know, and Bergeron is real important there. Pasternak's important. But Marchand has been really the guy that all of a sudden is making that line go a lot of nights. He really is the guy making them go. And I watch them a lot. Um, so he's been the most valuable player on the Bruins, in my opinion. When, when, when we look at the big scope, the one thing that Connor McDavid doesn't do or contribute is shorthanded. And... We've talked to a lot of people, including our good buddy Brian Burke, who hates putting out his stars to kill a penalty because he's scared of the the broken bone on a block shot. And Connor doesn't uh, kill penalties. A lot of stars don't kill penalties. The Boston Bruins are led by Brad Marchand and Bergeron shorthanded. Austin... Marner's the closest one I can think of off the top of my head right now that kills penalties and is still a catalyst offensively. Yeah, there's very few. Should should that not come into the equation here that this makes Brad Marchand even more valuable because he kills penalties? Somebody told me, Mac, that between Marchand and Bergeron, in the last hour that the Boston Bruins have been shorthanded. They've scored seven goals and given up six. Hmm. Like, think about that for a second. Oh, no. I, look, I'm not I mean, denying it, but... It's, it's, a huge, it's a huge thing for, again, to be considered one of the most valuable players in the league when, when you are all around every, every part of, of your team's success. And look, I have a hard time saying anything about Brad Marchand. I said it three or four years ago. He should have been in the top five in the in the voting for the MVP, and I got hammered. I got hammered by those bozos out there that like to hammer people. But I got hammered. Like, it was scary that what people were saying. Uh, but I still, as much as I love watching Brad Marchand, and I love watching what he does for the Boston Bruins, he is not even close to McDavid. No, Sorry. well, Sorry for me. just different for players. Me, yeah, it's just not, it, it's not, I mean, Bergeron is such a catalyst there with his 200-foot game. Pasternak makes dynamic plays. I agree. And, I mean, McDavid plays with Huljarvi, and he's been playing with Cahoon lately. And still makes it. And, I mean, he, and he gets with Dreisaitl. You know, last night they put him with Dreisaitl a little bit. He gets with Dreisaitl. 
the relationship with Drysaddle and McDavid, I understand, has really gotten better because Drysaddle all of a sudden realizes that he's not better than McDavid. He realizes that he is number two. That's helped probably. I I just don't know how you can ever say this. I mean, he to me, it's like you said, it's a runaway. And I love Brad Marchand. Yeah. And maybe he should be three. Has he been better than Sid Crosby this year? Well, I mean, it sounds like just by your arguments that he should definitely be in the top 10 at least. And oh, I, can't, yeah. I can't find his odds on the internet anywhere. So that means yeah. that yeah. he's down below the likes of Mitch Marner and uh, Zibanejad and McKinnon. So, you know, not maybe not the best look for these markets, but that's, that's kind of a, uh, an example of what we were talking about earlier. When you have such a runaway favorite in McDavid, it's hard for the other suitors to kind of have uh, – any supporters out there spending their money on it. So that's why it might now, be reflected that way. Now, would Leaf fans say that McDavid's a runaway when they, here's, here's what's going to be unbelievably interesting because MVPs coach of the year, it's all regular season. I want to see at the end of the playoffs, you got the con Smythe winner, you know, who is that going to be? Because as obsessed as McDavid is to get the Oilers into the playoffs, He's got to be even more obsessed with having success at playoff time. Matthews is a, got to be obsessed with getting having the Leafs have playoff success. I look, I mean, these two guys trained together for a month last year in Scottsdale. How did that fuel uh, the rivalry? I know they're great friends. Matthews is the only one that is closer to McDavid than the guys underneath him. And there, there are some really good names mm -hmm. with honorable mention, Mac. You know, yeah. Panarin's been good. Mark Stone in Vegas. Oh, terrific. Like, where's, like, he's got that Marchand kind of MVP where he, he does everything as well. Darren Millard would be crushed listening to this comment conversation. Cause he's Why is that? Got, well, he's got Stone better, better than Mario Lemieux last time I talked to him. You know, when Mario and Gretzky were in their prime, you know. So, I Can mean, just look, leave him alone for one second, Darren, please. Stone has been terrific. He has been, well, they win their 10th in a row last night. Yes. Yeah. I mean, how good are they playing right now? So, man, man. Uh, he's, the, he's the guy. He's the main man out there. Anyway, go ahead. I is, is Matthews a better goal scorer than you ever imagined? Because that's the one thing. And we, we know his historic uh, debut with the Toronto Maple Leafs where he scored four goals. But I don't even think that was indicative of, of what a pure goal scorer shooter this guy is. It's I never, I didn't see it. I mean, I didn't know him as a junior. I mean, I remember Mark Crawford talking about him at length about how good he was in Europe when he played for him over there. And, you know, and uh, where was he? Switzerland. Um, yeah. You know, I, I just, I didn't expect it. And the arsenal of of shot selection that he has is over the top. I mean, whether it's a, the snapper or the pull or, you know, I mean, he's just got an arsenal. I mean, Brett Hull had the one big, the one big shot. This guy has got an arsenal for goaltenders. You yeah. don't know where he's going. You don't well, know the hands pull out. They are like, you know, when we talk about pure shooters, from any generation, and even when you think of Mike Bossy, who is arguably and still should remain as one of the 
purest, best goal scorers in the history of the game with his consecutive 50-goal seasons. Ovechkin, Yari Curry, like they were all great scorers, pure scorers, but I don't think they had the mixture for me. No. Of of the shot and and, and the quickness of the hands that, that we've seen out of he's got he's got Pat Austin Matthews has hands like Pat Kane, but also a shot yeah. that can be compared to anybody's in the history of the game. And and you know you, you love hearing about him, how he loves the game, how he reads the game, how he sees the ice, how he, I mean, this guy is, has got a great hockey mind. Connor McDavid, it's almost like Bobby Orr to Nick Lidstrom for me, you know, where you compare Bobby Orr and Nick Lidstrom. Bobby Orr was that end-to-end skater that changed the game offensively because he would go end end and then he'd circle in that, go back behind his own net and go again. You know, whereas Nick Lindstrom was a, a great defenseman, but he played it a little different and he had all kinds of different aspects. Bobby was just a pure, unbelievable talent. I remember watching him as a kid. Well, not as a kid. I mean, watching him a fair amount. I mean, he was so damn good, but he was almost... Bobby Orr is like a McDavid type of player. Austin is not, he's, is he more of a, who would he be? It's just uh, the the only thing missing from, they are different, but the only thing missing is, is that, that third and fourth gear that we don't necessarily see out of Matthews, but he just, he, he doesn't need it in his game. Austin isn't going to go end to end like Bobby Orr. Connor will, yeah. For but sure. outside of that, yeah, they they are they are comparable in their ability to hey. create offense and have the the wow factor. The moment they cross over the blue line, you you it, you can't wait to see what's coming up next every I time would, they cross the blue line. I was just going to say that when Austin Matthews or Connor McDavid cross the blue line, you're like, what is going to happen now? And I can't wait to see. We always rave about how coaches defense the game, how they shut down people. I want to see in this year's playoffs, how did the Chicago Blackhawks beat Connor McDavid last year? Like, seriously. I want to see this year how they defend Matthews, how they defend Matthews. I want to see that in the playoffs and how it plays out because – you know the number one discussion in every dressing room is going to be shut down Matthews Marner, shut down Dreisaitl, uh, McDavid Dreisaitl. It's going to be major, and uh, it'll be fun to see if anybody well, can. There, there is a sense that the Leafs have a lot more around Marner and, and Matthews than the Oilers still, Mac. That's, that's they, the only thing is that he's going to have to come up with uh, two – two and a half points a game here in the playoffs for Edmonton have any success because you just, you don't see it coming from anywhere else. James Neal scored the other day. Can he, can he get going? Should be a legit 30 goal score still in there somewhere. No, he can't. I mean, Yamamoto going to have a coming out party in the playoffs. Yamamoto, by the way, is a hell of a player. He is a really good player. He's going to have to alleviate some pressure though, off those two guys. 
you know the other the other thing is, and I know these guys were mentioning Yamamoto. He doesn't play with Drysaitel all that much, although he did the other or with McDavid. He did he did play with him a bit the other night. Paryarvi is not. He's trying to play a bit of a give and go game, but he's not that type of player. When you compare Marner to those names, Drysaitel's power. Drysaitel is terrific on the power play with McDavid. They, they put them together, one-two punch, but then they got nothing else coming after them is the problem. They're not much coming after them. Mariner is so important to Matthews, too. When they cross the blue line and they start their little games, oh, man, yeah. are they tough to defend. This, this should be unanimous, though. I mean, he, he, he could he – could, uh, McDavid could run this thing right across the board with first-place votes. I think he will. And and I and I say that with unbelievable admiration for what um Matthews has developed into. This yeah. guy is, I mean, they are so damn lucky that they got Austin Matthews in that draft. I mean, that's a generational player that you don't get very. I mean, McDavid's one thing. We knew he was going to be a superstar. But for the Leafs to get Matthews, yeah, they are so damn lucky. Babcock, right. Babcock did his best coaching job the year he finished thirty first, and they won. <laughs> Brendan Shannon had a, had a lot to do with that, I think. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so uh, I know on the board, uh, Jordan, you have uh, the the rookies as well. Uh, uh, Kirill the Thrill, uh, Kaprizov, Mac was supposed to run away with this as much as Connor McDavid with the MVP. Uh, and and then you have Richardson, who is now lighting it up with Jamie Benn and Pavelski with Dallas. And 21-year-old compared to a guy that's older and had more uh, more chances to... Uh, to polish his game in the KHL. Does that matter to you when it comes to the age differential of these? And 40 points uh, for, look, for Robertson is, is, is worthy of winning this award right now. And what's Kirill got for points? I think he's, I don't think he's much higher than that. No, very close. Look for me, uh, if, as long as he's within the guidelines of the NHL, it, it shouldn't matter. If they're putting it in the guidelines that it's under what twenty, what is it, twenty six or twenty four years of age? If whatever it's under, if it fits in the guidelines, then Kirill should be able to win it. The yeah, thing I think that, it is, I think it's under twenty five. I think. Yeah, I mean, the guy won it in Calgary years ago. He was like thirty five. You know, they had to probably change it. You know, wasn't he thirty five? He was the oldest player, one of the oldest players in the league, and he won Rookie of the Year. I think they had to change it. All right, honorable mention to the the guys in Ottawa. Uh, Stitzel, you again, you're in a position where you expect top picks at the draft to have success now. Uh, yeah. but Josh Norris has given the Ottawa Senators a different look now. Yeah, I mean, he's he's become a good player for them, but to me, they're not, he's not in the category of Kaprizov for me yet. And I mean, I think he'll become that. What Kaprizov has done for the Minnesota Wild is he's changed the way the team plays the game. I mean, I watched one night him and Sucarella. I mean, 
they have like Kaprizov has changed the look of this organization. They were well, I couldn't comment because I, I refused to watch them. They were so boring, well, you know. And, and he has made them into an exciting watchable to watch. Yeah, he's made them watchable. And he's got them playing a little bit more of that style of game. He to me. He's been a real, real difference maker for this organization that right now people are scared of playing. And and that's with all due respect to the kids in Ottawa. Norris, you know, I know his dad. He's a newfie. I mean, I mean, I think the world of them. And then I and you know, he's had a hell of a year. So that's so he's gonna be a star. I mean, I can't every time I watch Ottawa, I, I think of those guys, but I'm I'm awestruck watching Kachuk the way this kid plays. Alex Nadelkovich uh, in Carolina, Mac, and I hated it when there was three goalies up on a team. Just horrible in practice watching those guys try to stay out of the way. <laughs> One of them out of the oh, way when he doesn't get a net. Mills this... used to love. Mills used to love it. He just he'd go and sit in the bench. <laughs> <laughs> this has worked for Carolina up until now. Is there a chance? that we're seeing teams that expect so much of themselves like Carolina um, with Nadelkovich and Spencer Knight now in Florida. Is there a chance that we could see these guys have big impacts in the playoffs? Well, I mean, Knight has had a reputation for a long time of being, you know, potential star. He gets his second win. I think it's kind of hard to say he's going to, you know, he's going to be a difference maker, but he sure as hell could be. I mean, he's that he's he's a pretty talented kid. There's more to the Carolina Hurricanes than their goaltending. I mean, the way they play the game as a team, the way they get the puck out of their own zone, the way they come with speed, the way they defend. There's a lot to this team that makes it a little better for goaltending, but you know, and I know, if you don't have unbelievable goaltending in the playoffs, you're not going anywhere. You're not going anywhere. So you, I don't care how good your team is, you still have to have great goaltending because the emotional level goes to a different pace, and and you see a lot more scoring, a lot more tougher goals by people going hard to the paint. So it'll be fun to watch. Okay, let's get into a little bit, Mac, on uh, on what we saw last night and how it may have kind of derailed a few races in the process. We talked off the top of the show, the New York Rangers and their loss and perhaps the Islanders reminding us and Barry Trotz reminding us how to get it done because they were struggling, Mac. They, they couldn't score. And there we are last night. And it's the Rangers that can't score. Yeah, I mean, look, the Rangers are—they got within four. It was such a big game for them, you know. You watch the Boston game; it was a—it was a battle, and then Boston pull away, you know, with the five-two win. But um, look, you know, if the Rangers win last night, this could go any way here. Still, could go any way, I guess. But that's a—that's a tough assignment. The Rangers. The Rangers are a bit of a young group. They're some of their people. The way the Islanders stifle you, snuff you out, not an easy team to play against when they get it going defensively. So, I mean, I don't see the Rangers coming back. Um, they've had a good they've had a good run here. I mean, listen, they create scoring chances. They score. 
they missed Panarin for how many games? I mean, what was he gone for? Yeah, he's gone what three weeks? I mean, Four you look weeks? at the, and that is was a monumental loss for this team. So you know the D'Angelo debacle as. You know, whether you like him or hate him, he still was a pretty good player for their team. I guess it's allowed some young guys to develop. But So the Rangers, to me, we talked in, in our preseason. We talked that the Rangers could surprise. We talked about that at length, Nick. They pretty much fell where we thought they'd fall, that they'd be right. close but not yeah. quite there. And they would be exciting because they've got some good talent. So. You know what? They're 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 poised as as typical with JD John Davidson. He goes in and starts the rebuild and takes us seven or so years, and he should be ready to retire by the time this one's over. You know, he's had a th- that's three rebuilds: St. Louis, Columbus. And was Columbus a rebuild or a reload? I think it was. A reload. <laughs> <laughs> Ask so, your good you know, buddy uh, Jeff Rimmer. Yeah. Anyway. Poor another I, I another I, game that may I have... can't even watch them play anymore. I'm sorry. Hey, the, the the nothing nothing game against Detroit Columbus the other night that ended me. When that <laughs> ended zero zero in regulation, that ended me. No more no more viewings of the Blue Jackets or Detroit this year. I'm done. Don't ask me to watch them. I don't care what Rimmer says. I'm done watching them. A win. Zero zero after regulation. A St. Louis win last night, Mac, kind of also ended maybe Arizona's chances of, of of finding a way to get into the playoffs here. You think of the West, and it's always Vegas and Colorado, and you spoke of Minnesota and how, how, how much fun they're to watch and how how it'll be interesting to see that play out, but... Who wants to play St. Louis right now if you're Vegas or Colorado? Ryan O'Reilly is another guy that's kind of put a team on his back. Now, Tarasenko, he's sort of in and out. I don't think he played last night. I think he was out last night. Was he Tarasenko? So, I mean, they they've been they have struggled mightily with injuries. If they get people that are that are healthy and are really healthy, they will not be fun. Bennington, we know what he can do if he gets it going. I mean, no, you don't want to play them. Pareko's a big body. I mean, they've got, I don't know. I think they'll be tough to play. I really do. They got some pride. They got some pride. It was a good game last night. Again, to to kind of fall on your entertainment value of the Minnesota Wild, uh, watching – Felino and Bartuzzo and all these guys yeah. battle it out. Uh, yeah, this time. this is going to be some fun hockey to watch here. Yeah, the West Rock. is going to be the West is going to be very very interesting and exciting, and it's going to be hard nosed hockey. It's not going to be fluff and you know play that cute cuddly cozy game. This is going to be ugly. Knock them down, drag them out. There's going to be some wars in the West, let me tell you. And if teams in the Canadian division want to give the Leafs any trouble, they better play a lot tougher than some of them are playing right now. Dallas, they may want to watch a couple of St. Louis games. Dallas, what about the game tonight? Dallas and Nashville tonight. No, no, that's uh, – yeah. Do not do they not go Saturday night? I thought they played tonight. Is it Saturday night? There's no, two Saturday night, Mac. 
Uh, tonight, it's there's the only next- four games on tap. And- okay, so it's the next game they play. Yeah, there seems to be a little bit. Uh, there's not too much excitement going on tonight other than uh, three games that could have uh, positioning settled still with Sharks and Avs, Golden Knights and Arizona, and okay. Kings and Ducks. Jets and Canadians. Like you got what is what, what is, is Calgary? On? What does Calgary do now? Do they really believe that they can catch Montreal? Is Montreal reeling? Is is the loss of Jonathan Drouin and Carey Price still doesn't appear anywhere near coming back? Like we need can, it. Can Montreal? Can Montreal now? They've got three more games, Mac. Montreal against the Toronto Maple Leafs here. Uh, two games by Edmonton. Could they Could they lose seven of eight here? No. Mon- I, I, I see Montreal getting in. I just, I can't believe. What, have they got to win three of eight to get in for sure? 500 will get it done. Yeah. So, I mean, I've got to believe. Now, listen. Your good buddy there, uh, the agent from L.A., I forget his name, um, Alan somebody. Alan he, Walsh. He was the O.J. Simpson lawyer. Um, <laughs> uh, he has been – I mean, we got to get him on and find out what's going on with Drew Ann. Like, what is – what's well, the story no, there? We, we don't Drew know, has, and I don't – At the end of the day, pressure. it's – Serious I, pressure on this kid. I, I don't know. I, I haven't – nobody's told me anything, but – we are to assume, and the general feeling amongst many that are talking is uh, it's uh, mental health issues. So I have not heard that. If, if in fact that's the case, the, the thing you do is you know you, you look after yourself. You and again, him, I don't know. You get but, him well. But we, we just well. heard we just heard from Ron Robin Leonard, and yeah. if it is Mac, uh, mental health that he's, he needs time to sort things out. I'm surprised that there's not more after everything these guys have oh. been through in the last year and a half, two years. And again, it goes to speak you what Robin Leonard it. said, that there, there is, this is tough on the guys here. You, you want to believe it is. And, and you know, for, for this kid, Drew Ant, I mean, it has been tough since day one in Montreal for him with the success of Sergachev. A French kid coming back to Montreal, extreme pressure. So I don't, I mean, I haven't seen what it is either, if it was an injury or if it's just time away, what he needs, but they got to get it to him. But listen, between you lose Drew and Carey Price, like what is going on here? I mean, now I hear he may be close to coming back, but where's this guy's psychic right now? Where Where is this guy's mindset to win well, for the Montreal Canadiens. I mean, Matt, he's, he is out with a, he's out with a concussion. So he's got to physically be in a good place for all of that for to sure. kind of kick in. For sure. But it's been on, it's been concussion. It's been leg injuries. It just keeps going on and Matt, on for this guy. Some, somebody mentioned it to me the other day is, go back in the last three years and find mm-hmm. out how many times he was like first star or the, you know, the best player on the ice. I know. And it's, it hasn't looked good for Carey Price 
not just this season, but for a, a, a good stretch here. I know. And you know what? I, I hey, As much as Jake Allen has done, Jake Allen, I don't see Jake Allen getting it done at playoff time. He's that, done everything that, that was asked of him. He's done everything and more of what's been asked of him. I just don't see the success at playoff time unless this team plays an awful lot better. And he's been good, this guy. He's been everything. Now, is it that maybe it wasn't just giving Carey a price rest? Maybe it was they were nervous about Carey to begin with, and that's why they brought him in. I mean, let's hope Carey comes back. That's from fine, but and all the other issues. But they're not winning unless Carey Price is a star. That's, they're not winning unless Carey Price is a star. If 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 Mark Bergevin brought in Jake Allen to. Uh, if he brought him in to fill in for Carey Price, if he thought that Carey Price wasn't going to play well, then he's sunk anyways <laughs> because you are going to live off of that contract. I know. And if if Carey Price's status with the Montreal Canadiens is going down the tubes, Bergevin's going to go right down the tubes with him. I mean, what is it, six, seven more years? It's... You have no other choice if you're Mark Bergevin and the Montreal Canadiens but to put Kerry in as fast as he's fe he feels like yeah. he can and he's you're healthy right. enough, and you ride that horse. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But I don't – I mean, based on what we've watched and seen with the way, that, you know, he's been bumped up and banged up and in and out of the lineup in the last few years – Am I wrong in that? It's been three years. It's been three years, Max, since we've seen Carey Price anywhere close as the best goalie in the world. Yeah, I agree. So it'll be, uh, you know, that's going to be a real question for the Habs. So the Canadian division, you got Winnipeg right now reeling. Outscored 21-6 in the last five games they've lost, Matt. 21-6. What the uh, hell happened there? And and yeah. Montreal plays tonight. That's the game everybody should be watching yeah, exactly. in terms of, of real exactly. interest. Is so what would you suggest? Uh, should I watch Montreal Winnipeg tonight or Yellowstone tonight? I don't know enough about Yellowstone. <laughs> Oh really? Yellowstone well, would be one of the most popular shows on television if it was Ke on Kevin a major Costner, network. who's in it? Kevin Kevin Costner is in it. Yeah. yeah. I so that's my challenge tonight. Is I'd go with the, at, the Jets nine, Canadians at, at nine o'clock. If the games are shit, it's a bowl of ice cream and Yellowstone. <laughs> if the games are good, I stay with the red wine. <laughs> Is it is it Hagen Dazs? <laughs> no, it's the cheap stuff, but we get car car salted caramel. <laughs> but anyway, so that's it. If it's a good game, I stay with it with a little glass of, of cab. If it's shit, I go to Yellowstone and ice cream. What do you think, Jordan? Salted caramel sounds pretty nice to be honest. That's that's one of my favorites, <laughs> if I'm being honest with you, man. <laughs> Mac, I, I think we did talk about this the other day, but you know the whole Shifley benching, the 17 minutes, the comments that Shifley made after, I don't agree with it at the time, yeah. um, and the magnitude of the game. 
I definitely didn't agree with it. So let's leave it at that. Yeah. That's, it's not, it's not that easy to kind of just park it and move on. Is it? I mean, you know, Paul always gives you the impression that things are really cuddly, cozy, and rosy there. Do you get the impression that maybe it's not all that cuddly, cozy, and rosy in that dressing room? I don't know, Mac. Uh, uh, you know, a lot of it was there, there was some friction on Patrick Line having too much success too early. Maybe some of the players want to kind of pull him back a little bit and say, you know, there's there's more to the game than just putting the puck in the net. I, I mean, that, that should have been... Torch has certainly drilled that into him. Whatever. I'm not suggesting who's yeah. right or who's wrong here. I'm right. just saying exactly. that when 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 Patrick Liney left, there, there was a sense that uh, there's going to be more harmony in, yeah. that, in that dressing room. Yeah. So... Up until what a week, week and a half ago. Although there, there is a level of inconsistency in Winnipeg, they were often regarded as the team that had the best chance to challenge the Toronto Maple Leafs, not the Edmonton Oilers. But that they clearly has me. changed now. They did for me prior to the trade deadline, but after the trade deadline, not for me. Sorry. Oh, because it's completely they completely turned. They they did not get a defenseman, and I or two. And they needed them, so I don't. I I'm. I was anyway. I'm, I've already talked enough about that. Waste my time. They're not listening to me, obviously. All right. One one note on the uh, Toronto Vancouver game. Oh uh, my God, was that torture to watch? Well, not if you're a Leaf fan. You're loving every second of it. You didn't. You dressed your B team, and you still won. I, I saw a clip the other day. Somebody tweeted out, and they showed the. It was to Vancouver fans, and it showed Roger Nielsen's statue with the white flag. wasn't a good look. Is that uh, is that where they're? At? If if it's fatigue, Mac. If they're tired, if uh, whatever the case is. Who and the guy them? that tweeted it out was his last name was McLean, and I just want to make sure that people out there know that. He was no relation to me, although I do have a brother living You have a brother out there. <laughs> and he's a smart ass. He's a smart ass. And for and, some and reason, he's a he huge, like the Canucks. He, he's not a Canuck fan. So. No, he's not a Canuck fan. He's a big fan of this show for some reason. Connect the dots then. <laughs> the one thing, Mac, I did not like in the Toronto-Vancouver game from a Canuck perspective Oh yes, is Here. Wayne Simmons going after Alex Edler, and I get it. Well, I lived it. it. You I know. It. You but wanted the leap reaction, so you have to be happy with that. A, a week or ten days late, but you have I'm to be happy talking, with that. I'm talking about now a va- Vancouver <laughs> reaction. He, a- Alex Edler, okay, one of the nicest people you'll ever meet <laughs> now, and you as a Vancouver Canuck player, serve up a guy that's got almost a thousand games, your $6 million defenseman. You serve him up on a platter to Wayne Simmons. Never a fight in his career. And you just serve him to Wayne Simmons. Not one guy can come in and just cause, cause a melee. He can't like, you can't push back Wayne Simmons a little bit. You just go, you let him go try to break 
Alex Adler's face? What is that? It it is not good. It is not good, and especially when you're looking for small victories, you know. And I I'm telling you, I just I don't get it. I don't get it. Just look like you want to. You, you care about Alex Adler a little how, bit. How do you not even? Do you not expect that going into this game that Simmons or somebody was going to do something to Edler for putting a, a guy as popular as Hyman is out of the lineup? Surely, surely Travis Green expected that or Jim I, Benning expected something. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I just, I'm okay. And, and good on Alex Edler. He, he, he manned up, man. It's Oh yeah, he did. He, he, he dropped his gloves and he said, "I'm going to do this," and that's it. That's the end yeah. of that. But exactly. you, you didn't you didn't have to make it that easy for Wayne Simmons to go and 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 do that. Send some sort of message that you care enough about this guy that I'm not going to just roll out the red carpet for you to go bash his face in. But but, but you know what? Uh, full marks. Not that we promote violence on this show or fighting. We don't do that. That's not what we are. But Simmons. It's a I game mean, of hockey, isn't it still at the pro level? Well, it's not. We don't promote it. We don't promote it. Not but promoting Simmons, it. You know Simmons has done that his whole career. His Simmons. whole career, Simmons has done that. Yes. And that's why Simmons has got the reputation of a unbelievably positive reputation around the league. I wasn't over the, I, I, I mean, he was so bad the last three years playing. Obviously it was injuries. Obviously it was where he was, but the kids battle like crazy this year. And I gotta, I gotta give him full marks. Cause I, I wasn't overly excited about the pickup, but I'll tell you what, I was wrong on that, but we'll see playoffs. You know. Well, I think, uh, you know, Vancouver can, collect a lot of things uh, in, in their thought process over the, the off season. And we know that there, there's some good pieces there, uh, but there's, there's no guarantee Mac that you're going to be competing, uh, you know, in, in a few years, if, if you don't find ways to really look like you care about each other. And I thought that was a ball dropped by, by the Vancouver Canucks. Well, and you know what, it's not, they, they've, came off such a positive year last year with the way they performed in the playoffs. Now they're, they're going into an off season with Travis green, not signed Jimmy Benning still with major cap issues. I mean, what, what got Jimmy's got a tough assignment to get his, his top young star signed, you know, in use and Patterson, he'll get them done. Demko looks like he's ready to be a positive force in goal for them, which is a real positive. Um, it, you just don't know what becomes of them. You just don't know what becomes of them. They're a pretty talented group still, but there's not the same excitement about this hockey team as there was this time last year. I'll guarantee you that. Yeah, right now there doesn't seem to be a sense that uh, Pedersen and uh, and Hughes want matching contracts right now. Yeah, you mentioned that. So yeah. uh, that's a bit of a challenge. Yep. So what else you got for us on this Friday? Nothing. I'm, uh, you know, I've had a busy morning already. I've been to the airport and back, dropped Mackenzie off at the airport. So I'm just, uh, I'm going to maybe go and do a little beach time today and try to relax. It's been no golf, no golf, no golf uh, today. You're, you're I, gearing I'm, up for a big week next yes, week. Next week I'm playing a pine tree, which is 
a great chorus around here. I was invited to play Pine Tree next Thursday, so I'm a little nervous about it. It's a tough, tough course. Have you, pl I, you played it before? I played it last year, and I'm oh my god! I mean, it's terrible. It was and what too was tough. the issue? What was the issue too, there? It was last just time? too tough a course for me. Too tough. The goddamn ball when I chip it on the green wouldn't stay on the green. It roll. It would roll right off. Like it was. It was like it was going on a table. You know, they got to let the greens grow out a little. You know, I. So I've got put some backspin on it. I've got the I got the challenge of the greens. I got the challenge of the traps, and the biggest challenge I got. I've been telling my two buddies that I've been in the eighties a lot, and they're both four handicaps, and I got to go and play with them. So I'm kind of nervous. It's going to be a nerve wracking experience for me. Just keep the pace of play. They're, they they invited me because they want to shut me up. That's why they invited me to play. We're going to take odds, Jordan, on uh, Mac cracking 100 on that golf course. Uh, I think it's got to be like a plus 150 that he cracks 100, <laughs> I think, to be honest. Nothing to be ashamed oh, of, right? Oh, I mean, no, I know, come on. I, know, I was even thinking of getting a new pair of golf shoes to go over. And, you oh, know, Doug, you got to check out these new Nike Air Maxes or Nike Jordan golf shoes. I, I uh, got to pay for my dad for his uh, for his birthday coming up. And aren't they sold out? Uh, I didn't get the so Jordan. You have to pay ones. a thousand dollars on no. the internet. The ones I got were one eighty, one eighty, and I, I I sent him the picture, and he was like, "You know what? I'm I'm I'm, I'm, a, I'm a foot joy guy. I like foot joy, Jordan." And I was like, "Dad, come on, man. Let's." Because uh, they're seventy nine bucks. They're seventy nine dollars. The foot joys. Listen, the la the last time I went over to Pine Tree to play. I get out of the car, and I wasn't out of the car 10 seconds. It, even before my clubs got out of the car, the, the guy that greeted us said, uh, excuse me, sir, would you tuck in your shirt tail? <laughs> I thought, I, I knew I had to tuck in my shirt tail, but can I get out of the car before I tuck it in, you know? Anyway. Breaking rules right off the bat. <laughs> I don't even know if they'll let you in. I think I your know. picture's at the front gate. Anyway, the PEI bad boy, right? Exactly. Yeah. I like a right. PEI playing t shirts, t shirts uh, and blue jeans. I love it. Our, our thanks to the bad boy of PEI, uh, <laughs> Doug McLean. Enjoy your weekend, man. Okay. Stay safe. Stay don't be, uh, don't be, uh, hurting yourself on the pickleball court. I, I, I haven't been playing much lately. My back's stiff. So, anyway. Okay. <laughs> Get some therapy. Isn't there like a little therapy uh, shop at the bottom of your condo for, for all, you know, your neighbors? The therapy I need, you have to go to a psychiatrist. For. <laughs> <laughs> all right. The mentally challenged Doug McLean from Florida. All right, Jordan, thanks, man. I really appreciate it. You have a great weekend as well for all of you. Thanks for watching, listening. First time watcher, subscribe, leave your comments for us. Uh, it's been a fun week here on The Real Kipper at Noon Show. Enjoy the weekend, enjoy the games, and we'll see you on Monday.